after the Second World War, the people were asked, do you want a federated states of Europe? And they said, no, we've just spent six years telling somebody we really don't want that. If our, our laws and our rights don't develop with us, then they become redundant. But, but, but then you're going to end up with rights like, you know, there's a right to a house or a right to a car exactly, or something. Exactly, and, and and exactly. How far do we want to push Politicians are probably less likely to look after the rights of individuals than judges. It's a mishmash of positive and negative uh, rights which are really impossible to enforce properly. Welcome to Portsmouth. We're in the square tower in Old Portsmouth, built at the end of the 15th century by Henry VII and a base for the English fleet for many hundreds of years. We're here before a specially invited audience to debate a key issue, whether Britain needs a new Magna Carta, the role of human rights in the United Kingdom constitution. Let's get cracking here. The very first thing we need to address is whether or not the British Constitution, whatever it's containing, needs rights at all. Because for very many centuries, there haven't been any rights in the British Constitution. In fact, it's been one of the unique selling points of this country has been that it's been liberties and freedoms, not rights. Now, one of the main parties that's been pushing for decades for rights in the UK Constitution, before even it was popular, were the Liberal Democrats. And we have here Councillor Gerald Vernon Jackson here, a prospective parliamentary candidate as well, Portsmouth South, yep. leader of the Lib Dems in the council, but no longer in power. Indeed. Your party, its selling point has always been rights. It's one of the things we're very, very keen on, because so many of these rights are so important, but are taken for granted um, in the UK. But but there were things that people have fought for for hundreds of years. So uh, freedom of association, freedom of expression, freedom to have a fair trial, not to be sent to jail without it, freedom to make sure that the land you own or your house you own can't be taken by the state without, without good reason, uh, and that the state shouldn't be able to listen to your conversations or transmit data about you without good reason. And it's very important that those are written so that the state can't take away those rights. But there need to be responsibilities as well, but, but rights are hugely important. But all the things you've said are things that we currently address by ordinary common law or ordinary statute law. So unless you're going to surprise me, we don't live in a police state, no. so why do we need to change it? Because you need things so that you restrict the power of governments to take those freedoms away from you. Things that, at the moment, if, if members of the House of Commons vote for us to do something, we have to do it. Mm -hmm. There needs to be limits so that even MPs getting together cannot take away our freedom of uh, freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom not to be sent to jail without a good reason. And then having limits on what politicians can do is a good thing. It's a good thing. Grant Clark, you're a president of the Students' Union here. Yes. You agree with this? Um, Students usually do, I have to tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I kind of had to think about it beforehand as well. Um, and I think a lot of it is protection from the state, which is very much required. You look at the uh, United States in the implementation of the, the Patriot Act in 2002 or 2003 or whenever it was. Um, and that was a, a, a fundamental thing that, that thankfully, uh, American citizens had protection from with their constitution and, 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 and so on and so forth. And I think it's incredibly important um, that citizens are able to be protected from the state um, in, in, in their hour of, of need. Does that more or less reflect you guys, uh, your point of view? I was just, I the whole idea... Um, are, you, are you a student? Who I am, I'm a student at the Portsmouth Grammar School. I studied politics at uh, A-level. Uh, I was wondering, on, on both of, of what you both said, uh, 
the whole idea of what you're trying to implement is basically a bill of rights, isn't it? Like yeah. the US Constitution. Mm -hmm. However, the US Constitution obviously relies on the fact that their constitution is sovereign. One of the, obviously, the sources of our constitution is that parliament is sovereign. Therefore, by creating this, it would be by common statute, but through, through law passed by the parliament. That, what I'm wondering is how this cannot, um, how this is basically going to bind future parliaments under, in your eyes, I see. How can, how can that be possible uh, under parliamentary sovereignty? Right, there are certain implications. Gerald would want yeah. to answer that, yeah. but Flick, I think you might want to come in on this because yeah. you are Flick Drummond, you're a parliamentary candidate for Portsmouth South, so I think you might be competing for that seat <laughs> Absolutely. We are. Yes, and we are. you are, more to the point for these purposes, a Conservative uh, parliamentary candidate and former councillor. Does this kind of question we've had here reflect a kind of question that you might want to ask. Yeah, absolutely, because I think the great thing about our constitution is its flexibility or lack of constitution, because it's a bottom-up constitution. It's been formed over, our, our rights have been formed over a number of years via case law with ordinary people, so we don't have the top um, you know, politicians deciding what our Bill of Rights are. We've actually got the people deciding it, and I think that's a really unique selling point from our constitution. Did you know that Winston Churchill was behind the European human rights movement in the yes. 40s? Yep. I mean, yep. I don't know whether you all deify Winston Churchill in the Conservative Party, but that, does that make a difference? Well, we, I mean, we have actually, a lot of the, the um, policies that came through that have actually formed the European Convention, and, and I welcome that. But I think our unique point is that we have actually um, come to that point through the way that the reason because we haven't got a constitution yeah maybe there's an alliance here with UKIP Mike because what we've got here is Mike Fitzgerald who's a UKIP guy parliamentary, parliamentary candidate Kansas. but for a different bit of Portsmouth Portsmouth North so you're right. not competing with these two you're with the Conservatives on this are you let's not use the alliance word too publicly there are some things <laughs> that I would definitely agree with but I think the foundation agree with Gerald you mean um, or with Flick I would both and agree with, with Gerald as well what you're saying is great, but I disagree with the premise of your question. We do have rights, starting from the Magna Carta and the Bill of Rights in 1689. So the idea that to start at the beginning, we don't have any rights, is wrong. We should look at what we have first, which is very good. There's the Magna Carta, the Bill of Rights, there's case law. We can look at Charles I having his head removed for doing things like giving our country away. Before we go any further, we need to understand what we have and apply it because I think that would show up some very interesting results with our relationship with Europe. Really would. It's quite interesting this because we move quite quickly on to the question of which set of rights. Mm -hmm. Because on Mike's and I think Flick as well, on your perspective, there is a quality to the British Constitution reflecting the past and so on, which reveals itself as a collection of rights. And so you kind mm -hmm. of reject the premise that there are no rights. We're not Correct. North Korea, we're not Belarus. But rights cannot be given or taken away, they exist. That's right. They can be abused or protected, but they but can't they be given exist. or taken away. And they are, to misuse a word, a risky word, indigenous. They're part of what Britain is. Yes. Now, along comes the European movement. You know, we can blame or praise Winston Churchill as we wish. And it suggests an alternative framework of rights, which are the European rights, the Convention on Human Rights. Gerald, is the logic of your position that the Lib Dems are both in favour of a new set of rights and a European set of rights? I think the, the European um, human rights are very important, for, and effectively they are Britain's rights that we have 
grown up and won over the centuries, codified by people like Winston Churchill, a great Conservative and a great Liberal MP as well, but for the whole of Europe. Um, <laughs> for, a, uh, for a few years about uh, well, And yeah. Chancellor of the Exchequer as, 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 as a Liberal. So um, bringing those things in 1948 together so that the whole of Europe can benefit from the sorts of, of rights that we've won over time is very important and that's why the British input into that and Winston Churchill's input into that is so important and that's why we should celebrate those things that we've, we've are not just valuable here but if a human right is a human right it's the same everywhere it's not a British right or a French right or an American right it's a human right and that's a really important thing that we've brought in for the whole of Europe. That thing of rights to say that never again can people have their yeah. rights trodden over and removed in the way that they were fair, in the fair, Second World fair, War. Fair point. And indeed, Labour, when they introduced mm. the Human Rights Act, which mm. is in fact the document that mm. uh, has the European Convention on Human Rights as part of the UK already, mm. and we'll hear from you, I bet, in a minute, and possibly you so. on that flick, mm. uh, they used the phrase bringing rights home. Indeed. So it's not just a absolutely. Lib Dem position. No, no, absolutely. It's not just a Lib Dem position. <laughs> Are people here content that we should have the European framework of rights in the European Convention on Human Rights for whatever reason, because the British created it or because it's an excellent document or you feel more European than British. What do we think? I think the future is uh, federal Europe and I know that some people will disagree with that, but the fact is uh, one of the things that comes out of the Second World War is also that sense of uni European unity and we share those values and, and so it just makes sense to have uh, a central document where um, inalienable rights and responsibility, and, and the responsibility thing needs to come in. That's the bit that we're missing at the moment. Yeah, we, we, um, but, but your vision of yourself is as somebody who is in a part of Europe, which absolutely. happens to be at absolutely. this very moment Portsmouth, but it could be anywhere else in the United Kingdom. Yeah. But it's a part of Europe, yeah. and so when you talk about central, you mean the European centre has a commitment to rights. So it's a very fully formed vision of yourself as a European. Yeah, I, I look forward to a federal Europe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do other people share that point of view? I don't see why it couldn't just be uh, a statement of what common law and statutory law at the present give us. Yeah. That, would that not be sufficient? Yeah, so it didn't have to have this, as we now realise, incendiary word European in front of it, and that draws a lot of opprobrium that mightn't otherwise have been drawn to it. Um, Human rights need to be across the board. Everyone should adhere to the same rules and should receive the same, um, the same positives from all of those rules. Ah, right. Now, this is interesting. It's different generations. And what's coming through from this community is a sense of ease with the European human rights story. Mike Flick, your parties are, to some extent, Skeptical of that. Flick first, uh, then. Well, I would say I've, I'm on the pro-European side of the party anyway, so I, I would agree with that. Um, where I was coming from is that we've actually shaped the European Convention anyway, so we've got it there. We, whatever we do, it's going to be subsumed by the European Convention. That's fine. They're Western values, and I think they're, they're absolutely fine. Um, this business about having a British Bill of Rights, I think, is, is quite a tricky one because it's... As I say, we've actually evolved, and I agree with you on this, we've evolved through statutes and things. Do we actually need a, a written-down Bill of Rights as well? That's what I would, would um, disagree with. Mike, it's much simpler for you, isn't it? Out of everything, out of everything. Uh, there's quite a lot of subtlety, and you're leading me there, and I know you're a barrister, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're not looking to be out of everything. We love Europe. We hate the European Union. So let's just be very clear. Everybody's conflating the two. They are completely different. The gentleman at the back talked about the unity 
the unity after the Second World War. After the Second World War, the people were asked, do you want a federated states of Europe? And they said, no, we've just spent six years telling somebody we really don't want that. It was very clear and it's been pushed on them since then. The next thing is everybody's using Churchill's name. It's a very nice name to use against this. But what was originally put down by Churchill is not what we have now. It has been developed and it has been, there's a lot of uh, aggressive judicial activism that's been involved. And you also look at this document, it was never designed to be brought into statute. It is far too wide and it's a mishmash of positive and negative uh, rights which are really impossible to enforce properly. It needs to, if we're going to do anything, sort it out, but we do it under our own parliament. The European Court of Human Rights has taken this document from 1950 and these judgments are now part of our law because of the Labour uh, 1998 Act, the Human Rights Act, and they've interpreted them and they've grown them and they've added this and they've added that and stuff that nobody thought about in the 1950s is now part of the thing. So the thing grows. So Mike's anxiety is rooted in definite fact. The question is, are we cool about it? Do we quite like the fact but, that the courts add to rights? But, coming but, in. but those, you quite like yes, this. Yes, I do. Yeah. And I think things have developed. If you look at Magna Carta, didn't talk about slavery. It was fine to have slavery in the United Kingdom up until the early 19th century. We have now added that, and that is now unacceptable because we have developed as a society. And if our our laws and our rights don't develop with us, then they become redundant. So I think it is right that we do grow those things. Yeah. So you're cool about the yes. rights growing over time? Flick, are you but, but, without, but, but you want a bill of rights. Are you saying that that can be adaptable, or can we not carry on the way we're doing it at the moment and developing our rights without actually having an overall statute I, saying this is our bill I of rights? I think one of, the, one of the benefits of having a bill of rights is I think it'll get some of, for, for ordinary people, to be able to understand clearly what their rights and responsibilities are, as opposed to having to go through large and turgid volumes of stuff and I think actually saying to people look this is what this is what being a citizen is about is a really helpful and useful thing but yeah but, but, but then you're going to end up with rights like you know there's a right to a house or a right to a car exactly, or something exactly and, and then you want to push exactly it? it's going to be aspirational and then you're going to end up with a lot of challenges so does somebody the state have an obligation to give you a house, a right to a home, a right to an education, a right to an education. I think you don't suddenly get educated, it has to be provided. That's what's called a positive right. Yes. Do you think that sort of thing would work? Do you think it would work, Grant? Um, yeah, I think, it, I, I think it would work and I think it should be implemented. I think people mm. as citizens of, of this country have, have the right to, to, should have the right to live comfortably and be able to aspire. I don't think, uh, as you were saying, uh, it's all about aspirational values mm. and stuff like that. Is, uh, if you are given a house, you are then in the place to raise your aspirations through other things like education and stuff like that because you have somewhere that you can settle into. And there need to be sound, um, positive rights for the citizen. Okay, well, what as would you put well in? As, pardon me? What would you put in? Let's have a right auction here. So let's say everything's up for grabs. The right to education. Uh, yeah, the right. Yeah. Uh, bid, bid, you give me a, a right you'd like to put in the Constitution. The right to freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. So there is quite a range of things we can put in there. Uh, this worries you, Mike, I'd yes, say, because it's getting of out of control. Well, yes. When you move from negative rights into positive, if you have a right to a house, well, I've earned and I've bought a house and it's mine, I have a right to it, that's okay. But you can interpret that right. And if you pay for an expensive enough lawyer, he's going to argue... I don't argue, know why you're pointing at me when you uh, say if you pay for the expensive enough lawyer. Because you're a human rights lawyer from <laughs> Matrix Chambers. Uh, 
If you do that, does the state have to provide a house? And that is where the, it, you start to get enforcement and you head towards nonsense. The basic thing should be about, uh, uh, well, the basis of criminal law, uh, theft and violence. You have a right not to be killed or beaten up. You have a right for the state or other people not to take from to you. Starting to build up there is an area that lacks enforceability, makes lawyers extremely rich, and gives the government the chance to abuse these powers by saying we're acting in everyone's best interests against terrorism, mm. so we're going to uh, and, eavesdrop on everybody. And that's why I distrust politicians to okay. make all of these decisions, because mm. I think politicians are probably less likely to look after the rights of individuals than judges. So and who's, I, who's going to do the Bill of Rights then? So, so we, they, we have to, it has to go through Parliament, but, but once it's there and once it's decided, politicians should yes. not be able to chip away at well, it. Sure, let's hold, hold the thought about courts, because I want to come to that. But we have our European citizen who's going to intervene on We're this. We're all European citizens. Uh, we have a self-proclaimed European citizen. Let's be clear, if, this actually, if we are going to codify a constitution with the right of housing, it's not going to be the right of housing, it's going to be the right to have shelter. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the right to have clean drinking water. It's going to be very basic rights, the, the minimum, minimum standards that a human, human needs in order to, to survive and to have the opportunities that they, every, every citizen should have. The basics of the human rights, and this is where I agree with the gentleman on the right there, keep it simple because then there's no, these are the rights you can't take away. The job of the constitution is to limit the power of the state, yes. first and foremost, because yes. the, Agreed. The, the state has to be limited and our rights should be absolute. Yeah. Yeah. And, I completely agree with you. So, And, and, and I, think, I think we all are. The state should be limited so that Parliament, in a ludicrous example, if Parliament passed a law that says you have to stand on your head for half an hour every day, everybody, mm -hmm. Parliament shouldn't be able to say that to us. There needs to be limits on what, on what the state is able to say to us. And that's where human rights and rights and codifying those rights are really important, to limit the power of politicians. I am allowed to be prejudiced. It is not a crime to think those things. I would rather listen to somebody make a stupid statement and then I can judge that person. Uh, a right of free speech would come into conflict with somebody who, for instance, would say, we wish to carry out the extermination of all the Jews. It's covered by murder. They're just multiple counts. Thought crimes that you're kind of putting it across that, you know, do hurt people. People who are attacked because they are black, because they are gay, um, and so on and so That's forth. This is why I have grave reservations about codifying rights or duties.